Leslie, I have the privilege of co-leading this church with my husband, my handsome, this handsome guy right back here. And we have been the, the official lead pastors here for about a year and a half. Um, we previously um, were succeeded by my parents, Larry and Ruthie Fletcher, who are Pastor Larry and Ruthie, who are incredible, and led this church for 34 years. An awesome team. And they, they're our life pastors now, they're our mentors, they are our cheerleaders, they're incredible, and we're just honored. We were the youth pastors here for nine years, and it was a blast, and we just can't believe that we get to do this. Um, God has just been doing so much in this body this year. You know, you think, oh, it's been 2020, the church was closed, things happened to, to kind of take away from what God was, no, God never stopped moving even when we had to shut the doors for a couple of months, God never stopped moving. He never stopped pursuing us. He never stopped giving direction. And so much has happened since we reopened Lifeway. And one of the things that we want to share with you today, we're going to get to it, is our new mission statement. But we've been praying about this. We actually started out the beginning of the year with our dream team, which is a whole bunch of our leaders, talking about what's our story. What story is Lifeway telling in Tuscross County? Why are we here? What are we doing? How many of you like to know a story behind something? I do. I like to know where something's going. I like to know why, what's the purpose. If you want me to buy, buy a car, Kyle, I want to know what it's going to do for my family and how awesome it's going to be. I want to know the story. And we've been praying and saying, Lord, what is the next page in the story for Lifeway? So I want, we want to present a message to you today about that. And then in the coming weeks, we're going to be unpacking what Lifeway's story is here in Tuscarawas County, what God is doing here, what we're called to. So to start out with a story seemed appropriate. How many of you have ever watched the movie Alice in Wonderland or read the book Alice's Adventures in Wonderland? So I know, what does that have to do with Lifeway? What does that have to do with, uh, we'll get there, I promise. But I just want to read you two quotes out of the first chapter when Alice is falling down the well and all these crazy things are happening to her. It's so theological, okay? No. Feels like 2020, right? Falling down the well, these crazy things are happening. Things keep changing. All these out-of-the-way, ordinary things are happening. But I want to take a twist on that. So I'm going to read you a couple of quotes. For you see, so many out-of-the-way things had happened lately that Alice had begun to think that very few things were really impossible. Alice began to think that very few things were really impossible. And then a couple of paragraphs later, it says it again, but Alice had gotten so much into the way of expecting nothing but out-of-the-way things to happen that it seems quite dull and stupid for life to go on the, in the common way. So many out-of-the-way things have happened this year in the kingdom of heaven that it's not okay for us to go back. It's not okay for us to wander in the desert. It is time for us to move forward and expect that impossible things are going to happen. Out-of-the-way ordinary things are going to happen. Kingdom things are going to happen. You see, when Jesus encountered the sick, they were healed. Let's see, when Jesus encountered the impossible, the out-of-the-way things, 
something happened. When Jesus went to a funeral, he ruined it. Every funeral he attended, he ruined. Woohoo! Carol Haney, we ruined your funeral this year. Praise God! Yes! Woo! We were planning it, but not today, Satan. Hallelujah. Okay. Jesus made bread and fish multiply out of a young boy's hands. That tells me no matter what generation you are, out of the ordinary way, things can happen in your life. He made bread and fish multiply. You need food, you pray, it multiplies. Oh, there's so much here. Jesus touched the leper. Ha! He didn't just say, okay, stay right there. I'm going to zap you from six feet away. Be healed. That's not what he did. He went over and he was not afraid of the leprosy and he touched the leper and they were healed and restored. And he didn't get leprosy. Come on, people. Okay. All right. Okay. It's so good. Everywhere Jesus went, all they took was a cloak. He said, don't take anything with you. Just take your, an extra tunic. Don't take money. Don't take food. Everywhere he went, they ate. There was a place to stay. There was provision. When he sent his disciples out, he, they were taken care of. Amen? Come on, that preaches to somebody's heart today. When he encountered the blind, they could see. When he encountered the cripple, they could walk. When he met the sinner, they were set free. He had authority over the demons, has authority over the demons. The water became a path. Come on. The storm ceased to destroy. The wind obeyed his voice. Ooh. Nothing I repeat, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible where Jesus is. That's the key. Where Jesus is, nothing is impossible. Ooh. What does that say about me and you? I'm not going to jump ahead, but what does that say, Kim? If where Jesus is, nothing is impossible. Then when you're in your home, nothing is impossible. When you're in your car, nothing is impossible. When you're at work, nothing is impossible. When you're at the bed of a sick relative, nothing is impossible. But Alice had gotten so much into the way of expecting nothing but out of the way things to happen that it seemed quite dull and stupid for life to go on in the common way. This year was intended for destruction, but what the Lord has done is he's caused his church to say, I repent, I change the way I think, I turn to you, Father, I call out to you. And I know that nothing is impossible for you. So no matter what we face, no matter what we walk through, there's nothing to fear. You see, when the disciples were alive, the Romans were in charge. The Romans were persecuting and killing them. 
But did they stop believing that the impossible situations could be met with a very possible Jesus? No, they did not. Did they shrink back in fear and hide in their houses? When they did, he pulled them out. He drew them out to himself. And he said, go, therefore, and preach the gospel. He drew them out to himself. Where Jesus is, impossible situations cannot stand. Amen? Hallelujah. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is smack dab in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he's teaching here on worry. So we're going to start in verse 31. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It's on the screens if you want to follow along there. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, so then, forsake your worries. Do not worry. Remember, this is a command. It is not a suggestion. When Jesus says, do not worry, it is a command. Because fear and worry and doubt have no place in the life of a believer. Forsake your worries. Why should you say? What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your body requires? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all of these less important things will be given to you abundantly. His kingdom, the the out-of-the-way things that Alice began to believe for, and the common things that we tend to worry about on a daily basis. For the life of a believer, it seems dull and stupid to return to the worry and the fear that gripped us before we encountered the love of our Savior. Because he takes care of it all. I noticed something when we taught earlier on this passage of Scripture. Jesus says, seek the kingdom first. Then all of these things that you've been worrying about will be given to you in abundance. Do you realize Jesus never says you have to keep praying for those things? He says, when you seek my kingdom first, you don't even have to worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where the finances are going to come from, where the provision's going to come from, because I promise to supply that need. And when God promises to supply a need, you no longer have to worry about it. You no longer even have to pray about it because he's already said he's going to do it. You just walk in obedience and you trust his word. Amen? That's... A lot easier to say than it is to do, but it's truth. And I will stand on that truth and trust my Father and trust his goodness every day of my life. The -the out-of-the-way things. He says, seek my kingdom first. Constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. What is his kingdom? What is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, depending on what gospel you're reading The kingdom is defined as his power and his authority over all. His purposes 
and way of life, both on earth and into eternity. That's the the most basic definition of the kingdom of God I can give you today, and we're going to expound upon this in the weeks to come. But read that definition one more time. His kingdom. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, he's saying, seek first his power and his authority overall. Seek first his purposes. Seek first his way of life on earth and into eternity. So when you look up in Webster's Dictionary, the word kingdom, not God's kingdom, not the kingdom of Christ, not the kingdom of heaven, just the word kingdom. And by the way, kingdom is a compound word from king's domain or king's dominion. And the word kingdom, as defined by Webster, is this. The domain over which the spiritual sovereignty of God or Christ extends, whether in heaven or on earth. I said this before, even Webster gets it. The domain over which the spiritual sovereignty of God or Christ extends, whether in heaven or on earth. And we are to seek his kingdom now. Your kingdom come now. Your will be done now on earth as it is in heaven. You were designed to have every prayer you've ever prayed answered. Let me say that again because some of you are sleeping on me. I can see it and you got to get this. You were designed. You were created. Natalie Smith, you were created to have every single prayer you pray answered. Many of you are like, you're wrong, Travis. Well, no, I'm not, and I'll prove it to you. Find me a place in the Gospels where Jesus teaches on unanswered prayer. Show me a place in Paul's epistles where he teaches you what to do when God doesn't answer your prayer. You won't find it, because Jesus never taught on unanswered prayer. He did teach a lot on prayer, and he did say, ask, seek, and knock. Keep on asking. Be persistent. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. And the door will be open to you, and you will find what you're looking for, and you will hear his voice. The key is understanding this, though. What is on God's prayer list because God has a prayer list, supersedes what's on my prayer list, and it supersedes what's on your prayer list, and God says, seek my kingdom first. Above all else, seek my kingdom. That is his prayer list for you to pray. It doesn't mean that what is on your list isn't important, But when we prioritize, when I prioritize the things on my list, my wants and my needs, I lose it. If I only pray for the 10 things that are on my list and I neglect to seek his kingdom first, the things on my prayer list are not going to be met with the presence or power they deserve. I have to seek his kingdom first. I have to pray his prayers first. And the more I find myself in his presence, seeking his heart, seeking his kingdom, 
declaring his words, the more my heart aligns with his heart and I begin praying prayers that he's going to answer. I begin praying the prayers that he wants me to pray because I'm seeking him first. And my mind is transformed. I now have the mind of Christ. I'm thinking his thoughts. My heart is his heart. And my prayers now shift from internally focused to externally focused on him and the world around me. And I promise when you begin seeking his kingdom first, you will begin to see far more of your prayers being answered. When you begin praying prayers on his heart, you will see your prayers answered. Because you were created, you were designed to have every prayer you prayed answered. Matthew 6. Oh, you want to say something? Yeah. Oh. So I also want to say this. When Jesus, what, what did he say? He said, I only say what my Father says, and I only do what my Father says to do. So when, when he, he's absolutely 100% right, how do we operate? How do we pray? We get into the presence of the Father. We listen to his voice. We read his word. We pray the prayers written in scripture. We pray in thanksgiving. We pray in hope and confidence. We don't pray out of hopelessness. We don't pray out of lack. God, if you could only, would you only, could you do it? Father, I know you are on the throne of my life. I know you are on the throne over this situation. I'm going to pray from a place of peace and not fear. Jesus prayed and did and said what his father said to do and say. And he wants the same for us. Jesus said, ask for anything and it will be done for you by my father in heaven. That's powerful. Do we pray like that? Do we live in that confidence knowing that when I speak, my heavenly father hears me? And that when he speaks, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the father. Not proceeded. He's still speaking. We need our hearts tuned to his voice so that we don't miss a word that he says. And that only happens out of intimacy. It only happens by getting alone with him and seeking his kingdom, his heart first. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, we all know this prayer very well. Jesus is asked, how then should we pray? And he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you see what Jesus does in this prayer? He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven seeking his kingdom first, then Jesus begins to pray for his needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus had the correct perspective on priority when it comes to prayer. It is his kingdom above all else. 
and then my wants and needs will follow and will be provided for. Your kingdom come. It is a present tense reality. Now. It exists now in the natural realm, from the supernatural realm, and has supreme authority over the kingdom of darkness. To think that Satan can even lift a finger when compared to the power of God is laughable. But yet, we magnify the enemy sometimes. We fear his tactics and his power. And he can't hold a candle to the Father. He's powerless when you walk into the room carrying the kingdom within you. And sickness and fear and depression and lack must leave in Jesus' name. Because that's the authority that you carry as sons and daughters of God. We'll get into that later. That's coming up in a couple weeks. John the Baptist, he was the forerunner of Christ. He prepared the way for the Messiah. And John, when speaking, said these words, the realm of heaven's kingdom is about to appear. It's about to appear. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's getting close. And one chapter later, we see Jesus. He's been tempted by the enemy in the wilderness. And he then goes out and begins to preach. He begins his ministry and he says these words. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words. Keep turning away from your sins and come back to God, for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. Heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. It is at hand. It is close enough to touch. It is reality now. Jesus steps on the scene. And heavenly realities become earthly realities. He brought heaven to earth. He brought the kingdom of heaven to planet earth to reveal who we truly are, who, we're, who we were created to be. You see, this goes all the way back to Genesis 1. We're going to talk about this next week. The Genesis mandate for humanity this wasn't a new concept, but Jesus redeems, he restores everything to that original state. And he said, I have come that the kingdom of God may be established in this world through the authority of my sons and daughters. And that's us. Jesus, in every way, in every act of compassion, in every miracle, in every mind-blowing revelation, was the perfect manifestation of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Leslie said it. Jesus only did what he saw his father do. He only said what he heard his father say. Jesus perfectly represented every character of the kingdom. And he looked at us and he said, and the kingdom is within you. It's not a geographical location. The kingdom of heaven lives within us. The reality of the kingdom appears within us when we live in Jesus by faith. When we step into the room, 
when we step into an impossible situation. Leslie and I were just with a lady last night who is dying of stage four cancer. By the way, we've seen, what, four? Just in the past couple of months, four people completely healed of cancer. Two was stage four. We've said that many times. We're gonna keep on saying it because the testimony of, of the Lord is do it again. So when we stepped into that house last night, there was not a doubt in our minds that Jesus had stepped into the room, that his presence was there, that the kingdom of heaven had stepped in, and that any impossible situation must bow its knee to the authority of Jesus. There is no impossible situation when Jesus walks into the room. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. That's what we sing. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And the kingdom is within you. Stop diminishing your identity and who you are. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've been. It doesn't matter anymore because you have been redeemed. You have been born again, made new. You are a son and daughter of the king. You are brothers and sisters, co-heirs with Christ, seated in heavenly places, and darkness must tremble when you walk into the room. It's true, it's true, it's true. I want to jump back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, this is how you pray. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. This isn't the Lord's Prayer. Look at your notes, Leslie. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do the birds of the air worry about what they're going to eat? Do they worry about what they're going to wear? Does the grass worry about how it's going to grow? I mean, it sounds silly saying it, but it's just as silly when we worry about these little things that our Father in heaven has full provision over. He wants us to stop thinking from a place of lack in any situation, seeking first his kingdom, keeping our eyes on the king, amen? So whatever impossible situation you are facing, he has an answer. Eh? Yeah? Does he? The verb seek implies to continually be absorbed in a search for something or someone. Or making an intense and persistent effort to obtain. Are you persistent? Are you intensely focused. I'm not talking about being angry or like intense, like stressed out. I'm talking about being single-minded, having the mind of Christ, being focused on the kingdom, on the king's domain here on earth. That's what we're called to establish. Are you focused on pursuing Jesus? Because what is the kingdom? And the kingdom is within us. Who is the kingdom is the correct question. Jesus came as the king of kings, the Lord of lords, to establish and manifest the kingdom. So he is, when we say yes to him, we are then infused by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are infused. You carry Christ's DNA. If they cut you open, they'll see the kingdom. Amen? That's what I want. I want to do this to you now. Okay. So when Jesus said, seek the kingdom, 
think of it like a hide-and-go-seek game, but this is very important to understand. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. He has not hidden the kingdom from you. He's hidden the kingdom for you. He hasn't hidden the kingdom from you. He's hidden it for you. And when you find it in your joy, you will go and sell everything and surrender everything to acquire the treasure that is the kingdom. Amen? (laughs) Are we continually absorbed in a search for more of Jesus? More, Lord. Father, more. Filling our thoughts with his desires, his character for our patterns Obeying him. How do we do this? One step at a time. Holy Spirit, you are in me. You are guiding me. See, we have the Holy Spirit too. Let's not forget the power in the house. He gave us a guide, a comforter. And when you ask Holy Spirit for help, he comes every time. When you pray in the spirit, when you pray without ceasing, something is happening. A healing happened this week, okay? I've been praying in the spirit Tuesday and Wednesday. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just telling you what's happening. The kingdom is moving and happening. And, and, And I was praying in the spirit. I didn't really know why I was praying in the spirit so much, but I was. I got a text message at the gym on Wednesday afternoon. Yes, I go to the gym, I know. I got a text message at the gym. I answered the text message. It said, I'm praying. Joan McCluggage was at the hospital with Ken. He had a hip replacement surgery. And he was supposed to come home that day. Okay? He was supposed to come home. And they said, he can't come home. Something's wrong with his kidneys. Probably tomorrow. So I text her back. And I said, praying. And then I texted a second text. I said, I'll let our prayer team know. I'll, let, I'll post on the prayer page. And I went on and I finished my exercise that I was doing. And I didn't even get a chance to post it on the prayer page. She texts me back and says, never mind. He's going home after dinner. Everything is good. Sometimes God works fast. Just like that. And sometimes it's waiting and waiting and waiting and trusting and hoping and knowing and standing firm. No matter how long the wait is, Travis said it, it's something is happening. He is working. It's a promise that he never backs down on, right? So no matter what, you stand firm, you stand in a place of surrender, in a place of rest, because he's the one doing it. It's for his glory, not mine. Come on. Will you stand? Above all else, seek his kingdom. As we've been praying this year, The Lord directed us in the last couple of months to the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And actually, we've been in this prayer for two years now. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there sickness in heaven? Come on. Is there cancer in heaven? Is there back injuries in heaven? Is there lack of food in heaven? Is there lack of financial provision in heaven? I mean, the foundations are sapphire. There's no lack. I love that. So if that is what heaven is, 
And Jesus said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My home, my property, my heart, my house, my body, my family are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are called to establish kingdom come, and it comes through me. So our new mission statement, we can't just call it a mission statement though. It's our vision. It's our goal for the future. It's our, it's our prophetic declaration over the future. And it's not just our mission and our vision. It's our culture. We are the kingdom. We are the body. We come together to minister to one another, to mourn with one another, to laugh with one another, to cry with one another. Okay? So it's our culture. It's who we are. So our new statement Lifeway is making in this valley is kingdom come, period. Kingdom come. When somebody asks you, well, what's Lifeway about? It's about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. It's about living out Jesus in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. Lifeway is bringing the kingdom. That's what Lifeway is about. It's not bringing our kingdom. It's not bringing our name, Chuck. It's not bringing our logo, although we've got some sweet gear for you guys today. It's not about that though. Please, please know this. Who cares about that stuff? It's all passing away. The kingdom being established is what matters. People knowing Jesus is what matters. People receiving salvation, healing, and deliverance is what matters. That is what Lifeway is here to do. We are here to establish Christ and Him glorified. Amen? This is our mission, our vision, our culture. Where the kingdom is, the sick are healed. Where the kingdom is, there is bountiful provision. Where the kingdom is, the miraculous is an everyday occurrence. Where the kingdom is, the demons have to flee. Where the kingdom is, there is revelation and prophetic insight. Where the kingdom is, salvation and deliverance are the norm in Jesus' name. Where, the king, where King Jesus is, the kingdom will be a natural result. Where is King Jesus? Is he Lord of your heart? Is he Lord of your life? Because if he is, get ready, people. Get ready to have your minds blown, to see things happen that you've been desiring. Because see, he put a longing in our hearts for the impossible to be possible. Because that's what it was supposed to be all along. And the enemy robbed and he stole. But his day is over at the cross. His day ended. So we take authority and we stand in victory. Kingdom come. So will you pray that with me right now? In agreement with our new creed, our new mission, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 